0: This is Pete Feenstra at GetReadyToRock.com talking to the one and only Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Pleasure to have you here, Ian. Once again, you're touring.
1: Well, it's the one and only Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, but not the one and only Ian Anderson, because there's a lot of yes, it. Yes, there's a a lot Ian. of people keep saying, I really enjoy your show on Radio 2. And it's some other geezer who does a kind of diddly-dee program. And has been doing it for many years. Yeah, well, I think and he's yeah. the fella, even if I'm not wrong, he might well be the guy who was signed to the, uh, the Island label. When we first started playing, we were on Ireland and, and who um, I think still bears some grudge that somehow I had got him dumped by Island Records because he had the same name as me. And if, if for some time he seemed to persist with this notion that i, I wasn't he I, Ian I A. Anderson? His, that's what he called himself then. I think he's now Ian Anderson. He's, he's now uh, become brave enough to just call himself Ian Anderson. I hope that maybe I've gone away, but I haven't. I haven't. But I once got one of his royalty checks, which is interesting. Came through for one of his uh, one of his songs for you know ten and sixpence or something, and dutifully we sent it back and made sure it went to the right place. I often wonder if he ever got any of mine. And he's
0: not Ian Anderson who runs Folk Roots, then.
1: That's the one, I think. It yeah, is same bloke. Hello, Ian. Yeah.
0: Anyway, let's talk about both the solo tour yeah. and Jethro Tull, the band. Um, you've started this tour already, I believe.
1: Well, we, we've been on the road, you know, doing the Jethro Hotel stuff for, um, you know, since March and right. it's been pretty, you know, pretty uh, solid since then. But this is the all change. Yes. The, the cusp of a, of, a, of a change in repertoire and a couple of musicians and the rest of the shows this year, are solo concerts yes. in the UK coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. Well, I'm off to Iceland tomorrow to do a couple of shows that are totally unrelated because they're, I, I you know, I don't know. Iceland has obviously you know, been in the news, and people think of the Icelandic uh, banks collapse as being something that's a hideous plot against the UK and Europe. But it, I mean, in fact, Icelandic people have had it really rough. You know, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the Icelandic krona has been devalued by about yeah. a third, and a lot of people oh. have lost jobs. And so, um, being a someone who's traveled to Iceland a few times. thought it'd be nice to go and do a, a concert with some local artists. We're doing a, a show to raise money for homeless uh, people and uh, and children's charity. So we have two shows in Reykjavik coming up, which is um, um, oh. unrelated to anything else other than it's, again, more new material we have to learn, because we have some guests that are playing with us, so we have to okay. learn, learn their music. The local, you know, unsigned Relatively little-known Icelandic arches, but uh, we have um, three lots of people I have to learn their music between now and the day after tomorrow. <laughs> oh, really?
0: Well, let's let's start at the beginning. I mean Is it fair to say that because the band's always had a broad musical church, that that explains its longevity?
1: Well, it could also have explained its early demise because um, you know when you are the author of a lot of eclectic material, it's easy to to think that maybe. That the breadth of that music is something that attracts people, but it equally can turn people off. Because people like people like their meat and potatoes. You yeah. know? they like yeah. status yeah. quo. Yeah. They yeah. like BB King. They they like those bands that deliver what it is they expect. You know, it's, yeah. the, it's the blue comfort blanket yeah. of uh, of musical. Um, you know, coziness, especially for middle-aged and older people, you know, they know what they like and they don't like to be too challenged, so I think if we have longevity as a result of being a rather eclectic and, and sometimes rather unpredictable band, then it's a testimony not to us, but to the, to the interest and the and, the, um, and the, the awareness and the willingness of, of audiences to, 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 to grapple with something a bit less familiar than the simple Elements of blues or rock music. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, it's, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure whether we would have done better if we just stuck to one, if we just remained Jethro Tell the, the blues band or Jethro Tell the folk rock band. Or because, of
0: course, a band is also in part fashioned by the music of the times. I mean, when you became, in inverted commas, a soft metal band and, and won the, the award for the, hmm. the hard rock thing of the year, I mean, I guess rock was in its ascendancy again at the time. Few years before that, you were a folk rock band in people's eyes. Is that a fair comment? Well, we've
1: we been all things to all people, and yet I think none of those things, in the sense that we are truly a- an authentic uh, example of a particular genre. We, we just, you know, I'm not interested in writing within the within no. the confines no. of the no. genre. I mean, I just write music, and, and if it, done, it, it comes yeah. out sounding a bit like this or a bit like that, or with a bit of this thrown in. And I think that's rather fun, you know, not, yeah. not to be tied down to, you know, living in a certain little compartmentalised area of music I, I like the idea that we can we can drift from one thing to the and other
0: and you've certainly done that down the years and, and then still continue to do so
1: Get ready to rock radio
0: Thinking about the, the current tour the, well the solo tour that's coming up and the 2010 Jethro Tour Best Of Tour um, how do you approach 40 a 40 year back catalogue how are you going to determine what you're going to pull from that is that in part determined by How it was recorded and the musicians involved, or is it just a personal choice that you'd really like to do that again? Well, sometimes,
1: sometimes, believe it or not, somebody says to me, "Oh, I really used to like that song you did back then, and um, why don't you play that one?" And I say. Well, I can't even remember how it goes, I don't remember anything about it. I, mean, I remember the title and vaguely recording it and I go back and listen to it and think yeah actually that's not a bad idea and there's a couple of those, uh, three of those actually, I think in think in the shows coming up there are those things that I would never have dreamed of doing had somebody else not said. And which songs are you, you do thinking about? And well a couple of them are little acoustic songs from the, the um, kind of the outtake here of uh, around the Aqualung album recordings. Mm. Um, and, um, but that made it on the best of or compilation albums along the way and, um, and there's a couple of songs from, uh, from the stand-up album which was released 40 years ago which, um, which we'd never played in public so um, I never played at all. only played them once in the studio but I think that's rather fun you know when you get many years later you, something you only played once or maybe twice or maybe two or three takes and that's it and you and you put it behind and left it and it's rather like some sort of vaguely illegitimate child that you encounter <laughs> later in life yeah. whoops that's one of mine <laughs> and um and in the case of some of this music it is it is a it is an uneasy um meeting of 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 an old friend or a yeah, no, family I member that. It can make you feel a little weird, because there's such a huge passage of time between. But strangely, once you get into the mechanics of playing it, um, you know, the actual way in which you played it, and your articulated notes, or the way you sang it, then these nuances come back incredibly quickly, and it's it's, it's sort as if it was last week that I recorded it. Because it does, does something... There is continuity yes. there, you know. Yes. And not necessarily that all the songs are great songs, but with some of them I can really feel the link between me now and me back then. There are, you know, it's not like it's a yeah. different guy, different, you know, there's definitely a, definitely a strong sense of, Strander, yeah. you know, you feel quite, uh, it was easy to identify with it again, even after so long. Jethro tells, since the very earliest days of the Marquee Club, has always been a live band first and a r- recording group second, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's much easier for me to think of those songs not with any sense of nostalgia, looking back you know, 30 years or 40 years. It's looking back, well, literally 30 hours since I last played some, you know, a couple yeah. of nights ago in Birmingham. And, and so things like, whatever, you know, stand, um, um Thick is a Brick, a locomotive Breath, yeah. um, those, those are things that I last played a day and a half ago, so it doesn't actually seem like a big disconnect for me to think about those today, because I'm not thinking about the original recording, I'm thinking about the way I play Play it now, now, even if it's substantially the same in some cases, because we we kind of mess around with the arrangements of some tunes, and others, we, we do very much like the original. And sometimes then we'll go off and do them a different way for a while, and then after a year or two we we go back to the, the original pleasure, arrangement course, again. So yeah. we keep, you know, we, we try things a different yeah. way. And I'm talking about
0: stand up. Is there any any plans for reissuing that as, as the fortieth anniversary?
1: Well, it's it's, be, it's been reissued um, and re Done. you know tweaked with yeah. bonus tracks and things through four five years ago. So uh, all, all of the all of the catalogue is. Um, Is out there, um, either as physical copy or or with iTunes or whatever. So it's all um, it's all there. Apart from uh, some more recent work which just fell out of license with with a couple of record companies. So that's just being renegotiated to um, to put that back uh, into catalog with another. uh, Well, it might be EMI who this time tomorrow might have decided to, whether they want to um, um, make an offer for it or not. But uh, you know, it's we're really just in that process of talking to a few record companies about some, some catalogue that's out of licence plus uh, some new material uh, in the can for um, release next year. Is there anything that you did uh, at the BBC that's likely to come out at all? It, it all really has come out apart from one thing which is being released later this uh, month which is the... Uh, the DVD and CDs of Jethro Tile Live at Madison Square Gardens in 1978, which was the the, the first music satellite broadcast, and and so that has been uh, uh, retrieved from the vaults by EMI, and uh, the BBC, very surprisingly to me, said, well, yeah, okay, it's not ours. Normally the BBC so that's ours, you know, having that. Right. But, but the ownership's always been disputed of, uh, of the videotapes. But the BBC seemed to uh, be happy enough to let it go, which is quite extraordinary, but they clearly um, decided that um, they didn't have a legitimate claim on its ownership, the copyright yeah, of the yeah. recording, and uh, even though it was made for the BBC, but it appears that it may well have been funded by Chrysalis Records back at that time, and therefore, uh, you know, fell into the EMI copyright ownership when uh, EMI bought Chrysalis. Get ready to rock radio.
0: You've gone through different stars down the years. I? The stars that vary enormously. I mean, the electronic stuff, the blue stuff, the, the folk stuff. And how, how would you put that together in one show? Would you, would you accommodate all, all stars as part of well, in the for example, next
1: year's tour—what
0: would that consist of? Well, uh,
1: I think when, at, this, at this stage of the game, when it's a Jethro Tull show, it's billed as Jethro Tull. There's going to be it. a greater emphasis on the more, you know, more upbeat rock kind of music because that's what most people are going to expect, rather than an emphasis on more acoustic or right. more esoteric stuff. So. The yeah. emphasis will always be. It was the Jethro Hotel, so a Jethro Tull show. It's probably going to be a bit more rocky, especially if it's in the summer. Especially if it's an outdoor show.
0: Yes, Then, then it's going yeah.
1: to move more towards the, the kind of rock Locomotive Breath,
0: rather than acoustic stuff. Yeah, know, I
1: can but, see that. but you know, when I play Locomotive Breath from uh, the end of next week onwards, it will be a, a much more acoustic version in a different time signature in a different key, but it will also pay, um, you know, it will also pay its respects to the original arrangement. Towards yeah. the end of the song, but it's an opportunity to look into the song and, and get a different groove going, and, and so that's one of those ones we will we will fool around with for a few months, playing it in a different context.
0: So having different
1: musicians
0: play it from the ones who played it originally, or have played it down the years, I suppose that keeps it fresh. Well it, as well, it
1: gives them the opportunity to put something of themselves into the arrangement if you change it. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, indeed. I mean, there's a, a new. A, a new drummer, and not entirely new to me, because he's done a few shows with us already this year, but Mark Mondes is who's a jazz yeah, drummer yeah, Mark, in the UK, yeah. he's, uh, he's playing on the uh, stuff from here on into the end of the year. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he obviously brings a, a slightly different feel and a different touch to it compared yeah. to yeah. Doan Perry, the Jethro Tell drummer, who's more of a, I don't know if you'd want me to say an 80s rock drummer, but you know, that's, that's the era in which he grew up as a As a as a professional musician during the during the late seventies early eighties, so um, you know he has a way of playing which is much more American rock. Yeah. Whereas Mark's music is is a more delicate touch of um, perhaps it's not really jazz, but it's just that he has a slightly different way of figuring things, and it's 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 a more consistent and perhaps slightly lighter touch. Although when he plays the rock songs. You know, he, he he steps it up and gets louder and bigger in his playing, but um, it's, it's just nice to work with other musicians, which I, I try to do, um, particularly in the last ten years or so. I do try to play with other musicians, yes. y- usually much younger than me, inevitably, but sometimes older, and, you know, I have this real fond belief that there's always something new to learn from working with another musician. They, they teach you something if you're receptive to it. Even the youngest, most naive musician and, and the next couple of days in Iceland will be meeting some of those, and they will probably be very nervous and they'll probably be very twitchy because they weren 't played that much in public before and yeah. And, and, yeah. and but you know I have, I have something to learn from there 's bound to be something they can show me that i didn 't know you know, some yeah, little yeah. some little approach to music, and you know, hopefully vice versa they 'll get something positive out of working with with me and the other guys but you know, I'm 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 always of um, the belief that as a musician, you shouldn't stop learning. And a lot of musicians that I've met hit 30 and think that's it. I, I know everything I need to know. I can just keep doing this for the rest of my life. And I've I've earned my you know I've got my wings. I can fly the plane. I can. That's mm. it. But it's, it's not like that because, it's as so, you know, so, to take that analogy further, if you are flying the plane, you have to go and retrain every so often new instruments, new techniques, new new airports, new landing systems, new aircraft, new... I mean, you don't stop learning if you're a pilot, yeah. and you don't stop learning if you're a doctor. You know, yeah. you, get, you get your bit of paper, but you keep—you have to keep up with developments in medical science. Yeah. Musicians, on the other hand, especially classical musicians, think, right, we've done that. We've done our yeah. eight years, ten years of study, and now we now we just sit here and sessions. We, well, rubbish. You know, they—they mm-hmm. they are the people who just close their minds to yeah. ideas, yeah. And, and I get. But do you find that when you're working
0: with orchestras?
1: Well, I find it with some some people in some orchestras. Yes, yes okay. that they, they are very set in their ways, and they don't want to be. They don't want to be pushed, um, and and very often they're very deficient, particularly in in rhythmic terms. They don't have a a confident, solid feel in their playing when it comes to strict tempo. And and particularly with awkward time signatures or anything syncopated, they Mm. they really struggle to play it. And, you know, to us it seems really easy. And they struggle, you know, to, to the point where you think these guys are musicians and they can't play a you know, a dotted quaver, You know, it's just not in their soul, you know, mm. they just don't seem to have it. And and yet, the other half of the orchestra are probably quite interested in meeting the challenge. It's just, you usually get this bunch of people, very often in the second violins, who who are these kind of rather uh, grisly people who didn't quite make it to being first violinists or being soloists, who are kind of sitting there in the, the rank and the file, the stodge union members who don't, you know, looking, when's a coffee break coming up? Yeah. Get ready to rock, radio. The live thing is still very, very important to you. You're willing to undergo the rigors of touring. Well, so far, but I mean, there are places I'm afraid are, are kind of crossed off my list, but for practical right. reasons, I, I'm oh. not a happy flyer. So, oh. regretfully, I don't see me going back to Latin America. It's right. um, it's not a route that I, I want to fly. And, and ironically, what I told a Latin American promoter last year, I said I'm so, I just really have difficulty in the idea of getting on a plane and traveling that route because it's always, I always have a really scary flight with really bad turbulence mm. and it is mm. because you go through that, that tropical zone mm. that brought down the Air France uh, flight yeah. a few months ago it's, it's virtually all year you're gonna get some bad thunderstorms yeah. and turbulence mm. you can't avoid it, it's like going to, going to Armenia uh, probably for the one and only time, um, a couple of months back and, um, and that was really rough and bouncy on the approach into Yerevan and going across the Black Sea and I spoke to one of the pilots on, on the return journey and he said, yeah, it's always like this. He said, it's just, that's the nature of the mm-hmm. terrain. We always get a bumpy flight.
0: Talking about Armenia, you've you certainly, you, you've been all over the globe with Toll. now, you've, you've worked territories that other people haven't. Um, I'm just amazed that in some cases that people know so much about Jethro, at all. I mean, is that, does that surprise
1: uh, you at all? Well, it's, of course it's surprising if you go to somewhere like Armenia and you find that there's, there's, you know, you've got a sold out concert and lots of people know your music. but, but but they've had, had 40 years to, to be able to, to yeah. spread around the, the globe. So, yes, well, you know, there, there, is a, there is a great support for British rock music. It's not just Jethro Tull. I mean, it would be the same if it was Deep Purple or Yes, or... You know, yeah. or
0: yeah.
1: Let alone Led Zeppelin or whoever. Yeah. I mean, these bands have left a really big and indelible mark in parts yeah. of the world that, particularly those that were deprived of Western music at the time 50 50 it was first created. Yeah. So it may be that uh, music of the early 70s didn't really get to India until the late 70s. Yeah. But when he got there, maybe 10 years later, it still had this profound effect on the development of, of the countries. Same thing in all the, the, uh, the ex-USSR countries. But uh, bands like Jethro Tull and Deep Purple, as, as, you know, as well as, I suppose, to some extent, the pop groups, but it, it had a big role to play because it, it represented a musical freedom, a musical lack of censorship which was so obvious in in those countries for young musicians trying to play their own music. And so, when under Gorbachev's watch, um, in the period of of Perestroika and Glasnost, he relaxed things a little bit, and um, back in around 87, I think it was, Mm. um, the Russian state record label um, finally, did a deal to release a couple of um, western yeah. official western releases which were yeah, one of the beatles nice albums yeah. and a jethro Tull album and they were the first two records ever to be officially released on the melodia label in uh, in russia yeah. which was yeah. and uh, many years later when I, I i met mr gorbachev in germany and I, I i thanked him for this this little moment you know knowing that he wouldn't know nothing about it yeah. because it's just part of part of Machine, machinery. Part yeah. of the machinery that, that that relaxation took place. But I said, you know, nonetheless, if it wasn't for you, those records wouldn't have been released. It helped diffuse a period of time when the black market was, was, was rife it. with this illegal and dangerous Western music, but it was diffusing it and bringing it out into the open that, that allowed for a peaceful transition from from the, the very rigorous controls of the communist era to, to the much more laissez-faire attitude that, uh, right, that that worked for Russia and all the Eastern Bloc countries in the, um, in the latter part of the 80s and through to the 90s, and, you know, it's a great, I mean, Gorbachev is so important in that, uh, in that transition period.
0: But thinking about the, the way that rock music has spread its way around the globe and Tolls music has done the same thing, was there ever a sense of frustration, as uh, on, on your behalf, with rock moving into a kind of niche position as it is in, in Europe now, as opposed to before, when really you were the orthodoxy at one point? Uh, and as a result of that, I mean, access to the media becomes more difficult. Um, getting your music played other than the internet becomes ever more difficult. are you ever frustrated by that?
1: Well, I think it's just a fact of life. I think it's much more frustrating for young musicians today who are trying to, to make their voices heard and to, mm-hmm. to, to get a life as a musician at a time when the world is a very overcrowded place. Not overcrowded? what is really overcrow- cool. well, it's overcrowded full stop. Yeah. You know, we have six and a half billion people yeah. here now. Yeah. And, and, and and five billion of them want to be in a pop group, you know. So <laughs> it's very, very hard for any young musician to get a to get a start in a business where no one, what well, people expected to play for nothing, I was just saying mm. to my daughter, uh, uh, you know, at lunchtime today, that when I was first came to London, or before I first came to London, I, I probably made you know, £20, £30, we, we got paid as a band for playing in some little club, This, you a know, little pub this size. And you kept changing the name of the
0: band to get a gig yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But the point being that that 20 or £30 is about £400 today. Very, yeah. And £400 today is the £400 that my son does not get with his band when he plays some, some little club in London. He's expected to do it for nothing, because mm. no one gets paid. Yeah. There's so much competition, you know, you, you're expected to play for nothing these days. And that's the problem. There is absolutely no money in doing it. And then you're not going to, if you make a record, the only records you're going to sell are going to be, you know, to the punters on the way out, you may sell a little bit of merch, you know, mm. 20 CDs or whatever mm. you might sell. But to get a physical record deal and to get distribution nationwide mm. and to be sold in the virtually the one and only retail outlet that exists, right, which is yeah. HMV, you know, forget it. Your chances are absolutely minuscule. So it's much more frustrating for today's y- new and young musicians than it is for old folks like us, whose music still does get played um, and uh, and still changes hands, both in the physical realm and the digital realm. At least, uh, you know, at least we can't really complain that we're being ignored. But so many young musicians are being ignored because it's just th- logistically and and um, just this, the numbers crunch of it all is that there are just so many people chasing the same little moments of glory and, and uh, most of them are not going to find it. Get ready to rock radio.
0: And the Ian Emerson tour that you're, you're currently doing stops at Peterborough on the 15th, I think Kingsley on the 16th. Buxton Opera House, presumably, that is. That's a lovely place. I've never, I oh, guess, well, the, the interesting thing
1: is a lot of these places I've never been to. Right. Never been to Kings Lynn, never been to Buxton, never been to Bridlington. And
0: Bridlington, I should mm. mention that. And, and then, then, it, then it moves on to Lancaster, Yogle, Cheltenham, Aylesbury, Salisbury, Tombridge Wells, and finishes in Worthing Pavilion Brilliant. for the yeah. lucky people. And, and, and
1: for the majority of those venues, the first time I've even not only never played there, but I've never even been to the town before, which is what I what I wanted to do is try and do a little tour of little theatres yeah. in places I've never been to before. And that, that for me is a lot of fun just to just to to, to know that in our small uh, our small uh, green and isle, there are lots of little places that, you know, tend to be forgotten. Um, certainly we, we we've never been there as Jethro Tal in all the years we've been Amazing. together, so it's an opportunity to go and And playing some little places that that I'm quite excited about visiting. You know, even if just a few hundred people show up to out of curiosity, I'm I'm, more than that very happy to see them.
0: It's been a pleasure talking to you you. again. Thank you very much to Prakash on the camera. Good afternoon.